Welcome back to Who Needs School with Joe Vollert. I know it's been a minute since I have recorded a podcast, so I thank you for your patience. For those who enjoy listening to these conversations, I have been laser focused on a project at work and also became a grandfather. And that has given me pause to think what school and education might look like in in 14, 15 years when uh, my grandson begins high school. My conversation today is with Sam Bernstein, the co-founder of Loper, which is a startup application to help uh, high school students uh, choose a college. It's a very thoughtful conversation. Sam talks about how he used data to determine the app that he's creating, uh, how he discerned how he might be able to serve the greater good during this pause that COVID has given us. And he also talks about the experience of starting his own company. Enjoy this conversation with Loper co-founder, Sam Bernstein. Well, a warm welcome to Sam Bernstein, founder of Loper. And are you the CEO as well? What's your, like, do you have a title with this thing? Right now it is just co-founder with, uh, with myself and Eric Mena, who I work with, but it most likely will be CEO. One, we need a few more employees before I think we start putting uh, formal C-suite titles on there. Gotcha. Well, tell us about Loper. How, what's the, what is the, what does Loper do? What's your vision behind this? And, and then what made you think of it? Yeah. Um, well, Loper, we have an underlying belief that students succeed best when they're on a path that suits them. And what we want to do is we want to match people to their next learning opportunity. And where we're starting is matching high schoolers to the right four-year college experience for them. And I think as we think about this space of what I'll call pathing and educational pathing, personalization is missing from that process. And what motivated us is we think it's just too hard for students right now to figure out their right next step. And I think about the modern student and what they're looking for. And they like to interact with content that's mobile first, that's short form, and that's more interactive and engaging. And we think there's a big opportunity to help students find what that right path is for them. And you know, at this critical point in their educational journey, moving from high school to college, and that motivation for us is for all the problems with higher education, it's still the number one way to increase earnings potential. It's still the number one way to promote social mobility and furthering educa people's education and opening them up to those opportunities is something that motivates us every day and we want to help make it easier for students. So if I'm a junior in high school and I um, download Loper or subscribe to it, I'm guessing right, be mobile first. Yeah. What's, what would my experience be like? What would happen? Yeah. Well, we're going to have our iOS app that we're releasing uh, at the end of March, early April, and we're really excited about it. And what that experience for a student would look like is they download Loper's app, they're going to go through a short profile building experience where we really ask those high level questions about college. Do you want to go to a large school, a small school? What part of the country do you want to go to school? Are you looking for a city experience or do you want that small college town feel? And what that allows us to do is gather those top line preferences. And then we're going to ask you directly questions on what do you want to study? Is financial aid a factor for you? Are you worried about paying for college? And then as we think about this holistic college experience where I went to Georgetown. My experience there was so much more than just being in the classroom. We want to ask students what's most important to them. Is it mm -hmm. around the area in the community? Is it the campus and facilities? And once they complete that profile building section, we ask them what we call short form prompts. And we're not having them swipe right and left on schools. If you frankly think mm -hmm. of a dating app, mm -hmm. we're not having them mm -hmm. swipe right and left of, oh, I love Georgetown. I don't like Georgetown. It's 
Are you interested in learning from professors of color? Are you interested in studying in a beautiful campus library, Greek life? We have hundreds of prompts about school. Gotcha. And what that allows us to do is bring a data-driven approach to matching students with schools where they're the right fit. And instead of just seeing a generic screen that matches them with, I'll pick on Georgetown again with Georgetown, we should tell the student what about Georgetown is most relevant for them, most interesting for them, and try and engage them in content that gets them excited about the prospect of going to those schools. So, so I imagine, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys are a, like a, a platform, like a middleman from a B to C, would that be right? So you're, are, are the colleges your customers as well as the potential student? Yeah, so the colleges, what's important for us is it's free for students, always will be free for students. We want to open up this opportunity that we think is locked from so many people who mm -hmm. don't have access to private counseling and the resources and navigate them through this college process. It's always free for students. And then, yeah, colleges would be the paying customers on the other side. And as we think about who is the customer, we're offering, yes, colleges are the ones who are the source of revenue, but it's all about driving outcomes for students for us. Mm -hmm. And that's what's exciting about, for me at least, working in the field of education is on both sides, students are always most important. Students are always the customer in that sense where it's their education, their outcomes that we're looking to improve. All right. Now, what's what's the um, experience been with colleges so far? Because I would imagine, you know, for wow. the enormity of the college application process, if I'm a college or a university, I'm looking at this piles of applications and having to go through all that data this seems like it could be an opportunity to kind of narrow that where there's a selection on a process on both sides as, as they work with this app. Is that fair to say or what's your experience been like? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And in, in the college landscape is really interesting because I think I'll break it down into two generalized buckets, one of which is your highly selective schools who have been flooded with applications. And, and there's only about 100 schools that accept fewer than a quarter of their applicants, while there's more than 2,500 four-year schools out there. So it's actually a relatively small subset of the broader college universe. But yeah, we what Loper allows them to do is be much more targeted in which applicants are they reaching out to and who meet those institutional priorities for a school. And frankly, we aren't gonna stop the wave of applicants. Harvard is still gonna have a 5% or 6% acceptance rate. And I'd encourage kids to apply to Harvard if they're interested and think they're qualified, where I think our core market is it's actually those other schools, the other 95% of colleges out there, where in the broader four-year market, the average four-year acceptance rate is about 66%. So most schools are accepting the majority of their applicants. And what they're having a really, really hard time doing is messaging to students who apply why they should attend their school, gotcha. why student X is the right fit. And that's what we want to open up. And we want to show students that as well. So when they're applying to that school that offers them a great education, but may not have the acceptance rate of an Ivy League institution, they understand this is why I'm a good fit for that school. Mm -hmm. And it's not just checking a box of, oh, well, I applied to 10 different schools and mm -hmm. I covered my bases. So you're able, I would imagine, able to run some algorithms that is, allows colleges to more personally market, for lack of a better word, their, the, the fit that they would have with a particular applicant. Is that about right? Yeah, what we want to grow into is actually in this first version of the iOS app release, we won't have any in-app marketing or in-app messaging capabilities. So we think that it's important for colleges to meet students where they are. And if students are finding their right fit schools on Loper, if students are having this personalized search experience, we want colleges to be able to personalize their outreach to students on that app and market what aspects of their school 
are good for that particular student because we think that's a huge problem in the process today. You get stacks of mail brochures. You get yeah. dozens of impersonal. Yeah, exactly. And right. Impersonal. It's hard for a student. They're left with choice yeah. overload and information overload. And we think that we can help clear up that process by creating this dedicated channel on local. I, I was talking to a parent of a senior the other day, and part of this is because of COVID, and you know, they, yeah. kids haven't had a chance to visit colleges, and there's just, a, you know, I think a lot more uncertainty, and colleges aren't. You know, they're not. Kids aren't taking SATs, and so there's, a, I think, a little bit of disruption going on in that process. This kid has applied to 27 colleges and I think is in at 17 already. I'm like, uh, good luck. You know, the hard part's not getting into college. It's like, where do you throw the dart? You know, how do you, it's trying to narrow that decision-making process. And it sounds like uh, what you're creating is a, a filter, funneling the, the choices for the student a bit. Yeah. And what I'd say, what I'd say to the student who applied to 27 schools is, you know, if you're really excited about all 27, that's awesome. I support you. I hope you have a reason to apply, but I think too often it is throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah. And we want to help students understand what about the schools they're applying to attract them and allow them to find the schools where they fit best, because that's how we think we can drive student outcomes, where even on the margins, if we can change four-year graduation rates, six-year graduation rates, reduce transfer rates and the credit loss associated with that, we think we can have drive huge value for students. And that's what's really important to us is the kid who ends up attending a school just because you know, a friend of a friend went there and they didn't really understand what they were getting into on campus. And without that transparency, can really set you back. So hopefully the student applying to 27 schools loves them. But yeah, well, that, just not, that's yeah, the outlier, not, huh? So, yeah. okay, let's step back for a minute. And yeah. first, sounds like a you know tremendous value proposition and, and really wish you well as you, you know, put this thing that. together. Let's step back and, and if I could get you to think about the, the path that led you here. So how did you come up with this and what in your either personal experience or in, in your analysis led you to start this, this company? Yeah, I think um, for me, Loper was, was deeply personal, not in the sense of I was very fortunate going through the college process where I, as an SI grad, amazing college counseling department, having older brother Jacob three years before me apply to and attend college having two parents that went to college I was very familiar with the process especially if we zoom out and look at the country as a whole and it wasn't so much personal to me in the sense of that I struggled to find colleges where I thought I could fit but it's thinking about okay what about those other students who don't and you know, as COVID happened I was living in New York at the time and so many of my friends left and I think one of the incredible opportunities it gave me was the opportunity to step back and actually think about uh, a couple of Jesuit values in discernment and reflection and think about what's important to me. At the time I was working at a hedge fund and I don't think there's anything wrong with working at a hedge fund, but you know, trading and working in finance was not something that I'd be passionate every day and frankly didn't feel like I was working to make the world a better place. And I remember listening to a podcast from, it's how I built this and it was the founder of Impossible Foods, Pat Brown. And he asked a question, um, well, he brought up a question that he asked himself and he was a professor at Stanford who took a sabbatical and during that sabbatical, he asked himself, what's the biggest problem in the world he can work on fixing? And for him, that was climate change mm -hmm. and addressing factory farming and creating mm -hmm. a meat alternative. And that really stuck with me. And hmm. I think that living in New York City when you know you could look down First Avenue and it, the only people there were yourself and potentially a community of homeless, 
it was really startling and I think a very visceral experience that made me think about how can we address inequality and, and what are the underlying factors? And, and I kept coming back to education, which was always a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And what I brought up on the top of the podcast, without further education, it blocks you off from social mobility. It blocks you off from economic opportunity. And right now it's just too difficult for students to navigate that process. And I started to dig into the numbers of, I think 20% of students lack a college counselor at their high school. The national student to counselor ratio is about 450 to one. And then when we think about student debt, one of the big issues of our time, it's actually not students who graduate with over $100,000 of debt who are most likely default. It's those in that, I believe it's like $5,000 to $20,000 range who so often drop out after a semester, a year. And some of that's due to fit. And if you graduate with student debt, but you have the credential, you have an opportunity to pay back that debt. If you take on debt and receive no credential, you're trapped, you're paralyzed, and it's this huge weight on you. And it, the more I dug into the numbers, the more I realized there yeah. has to be a better way to help students. And then your earning potential is not as high. And it's just, it's a, it's a vicious it's a, cycle, right? Trying yeah, to pay that vicious cycle. Do you, yeah. Let me ask you um, a somewhat related question, just out of curiosity, my own part. What Do you see any changes in the landscape? Are you seeing any uh, potential disruption in the college market or that, you know, that part of the educational system? I do. And I don't think I'm unique in bringing, uh, bringing these points forward. I, I actually, Mark Andreessen, I think said it very, very well. And on another podcast I listened to, and that we're beginning to see what he termed as the decoupling of the credential from the four-year college experience. And I think that's very exciting, these alternatives to four-year college, because as I think about it, in some ways, the four-year liberal arts experience, especially when it's priced at $250,000 before taking any tuition discounts, is truly a luxury good. But education is essential to a democracy. Education is essential to helping people further their income, their income and earnings potential. So I do think that there's going to be disruption. I think that what I'm really looking at is what is the disruption that drives outcomes for students? Because if these new players in the space, especially as we think about credentialing, and maybe it's not just a linear path from high school to college to the workforce, if the credentials aren't driving outcomes for students and we aren't seeing graduation rates, we aren't seeing income associated with those, then they're not positive change. And I, by no means do I think four-year colleges are going away. And I actually think there are some four-year colleges that are driving innovation in the space and opening up their classrooms and really exciting change coming from within. So I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. I think that education will be different in 10 years than it was 10 years before this. And I think that's an exciting opportunity to continue to improve the student experience. I'd be very curious to see, especially as you evolve with Loper, you know, if there's a process for a kid to kind of ascertain what that next path might be, whether it's, hey, maybe I should go to work for a little while and get some experience. I'm not, you know, ready to, I'm not really interested in, you know, continuing to, to go to college, or maybe I do a, go to a JC and I, I really get um, certified or, or learn a particular trade. You know, one of the things that I think has happened in California in, in particular is for whatever reason, about 50 years ago, they decided that one size fits all and that every the end game is to get into college. In the meantime, we're leaving folks without an option after high school or dropping out of high school and just don't feel like they can enter into the, have a path to enter into the, the workforce. And now you try to find an electrician or plumber, it's, it's you know, you're impossible because we just haven't had a, been training a workforce to do those kinds of things. It can be very lucrative careers, you know? Yeah. Anyway, and I digress. Where, no, and that, but I think you really hit the, the nail on the head. And what we want to do is bring transparency to the passing process. 
and empower students because we don't see in the long run there's any reason why a student shouldn't compare all those opportunities that you just brought up and find what's right for them because in some case there's every student solving for unique needs every student has their own individual circumstances and personalization and education for eric and myself is a must and that's really a prerequisite for how we can help students and we'd love to empower them to evaluate all those opportunities from the palm of their hands so and, and that kind of leads me to my next question and that's the other you know, piece of starting a company. You're not not doing this by yourself, right? So no. the, describe that process where you and Eric decided to start this or how did you connect and what's that relationship like? Yeah, well, Eric and I, I know Eric from Georgetown. He's actually a close friend of mine in college and, and after school, I went off to New York and was working in finance and, and Eric's background is in management consulting. He, he worked at Bain & Company for three years and he is someone I'm very, very fortunate to work with. I remember when I first started having ideas for Loper and even in the education space before what evolved into this, Eric was the first person I called and I just love brainstorming with him and spitballing with him. I think where we work so well together and, and had me so passionate about seeking him out as a co-founder and, and so excited when he decided to take the plunge with me and leave Bain is the fact that I think we're willing to challenge each other and we're willing to have a culture of transparency where we aren't just going to accept that the other person is right because we respect them as individuals and that we're each other's friends. Um, he's someone who I think has made me a lot better and made me think much more constructively and deeply and, and not frankly allowed me to get away with believing that my first opinion is right. And, and that's been the fun of starting a company and working with him is it feels like you know, it's not that we got twice as good bringing a second member with the two of us in the room. It's that there's three times, four times. It really is uh, this effect that multiplies of having two brains in the room working together. And, and I've loved every second of it. And we're really excited to hopefully be expanding the team soon in the next few months and bringing more voices into the conversation. It will only make us better. Yeah. So it's kind of curious about the your kind of educational path and how you got here, right? You're high school, college, and in the work for a while, and then obviously you're doing a startup, right? So yeah. what, knowing what you know and doing what you do, how did the your experience in school prepare you for this or how did it not? And you had to kind of learn on your own. Yeah, it, well, I think um, the, the brief background, as you know, for my education is uh, SI, St. Asia's grad of 2014, and then the Jesuits couldn't get rid of me, graduated from Georgetown in 2018. And I guess as I think about those experiences specifically and how they prepared me for, I think one thing I, I really do need to tip my hat specifically to the Jesuits in the sense of they force you to think deeply and grapple deeply with big issues. And I think that's a core part of my educational experience, both in high school and college. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value in that in being really forced to take an issue where maybe there isn't a solution or a right answer and have conversation, have discussion and go. 10 layers deep. And, and that I think was really valuable for process of starting a company where one, there's oftentimes no right answers. And there's certainly no one that's there to tell you if you're right and wrong. And you know, there you have to find solutions on your own. But I think that's actually a place where my education, I, I don't wouldn't want to say fail me, but it, it didn't necessarily prepare me for this idea that you are going to fail and you should be, we should encourage you to fail and take risks. And that I think is inherent to starting a business. And as I think about my education and part of that's on myself, part of that's a system where a B plus feels like the worst outcome. 
sometimes you need to see a C, a D, an F, because there are plenty of times I can think back on very tangibly over uh, the past six or seven months where I would give Sam Bernstein a big fat F on you know, whatever <laughs> piece of paper and grade is, uh, is out there. And that's okay because you need to fall down and you need to fail. The mm-hmm. first answer won't always be right. And being able to pivot and adapt as quickly as possible is this really inherent still almost like this bounce back. I think about athletes and their bounce back potential mm-hmm. from an injury or from a bad game. It's that sort of training. I think is incredibly valuable and, and we don't always see an education for many different reasons. That's a great analogy because I, what, you know, I, I do think over the decades we've conflated um, effort and grades, right? A lot of yeah. times you get passed through the system because you've put the effort forth but you could work really hard doing a startup and fail. And that doesn't really happen in the academic experience. Certainly happens in the sports world, right? And that's one yeah. of the, the values of playing any kind of sport. You could work your butt off and fail, right? And yeah. um, and so you learn to build some resilience and, and learn those lessons of this from the school of hard knocks. Um, what would you do? What would you suggest we do? Like it, to, if we're going to prepare the next generation of Sam Bernstein's, what should, what I don't should, know if we want, I don't know if we want to be doing that, <laughs> but that's a whole different issue. <laughs> but what should we be thinking about as a, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in secondary education, so we're kind of focused on that piece of it. The, the education's a bigger, bigger pie, but what do you think we should be thinking about or doing? Well, I think in on one sense, I do want to acknowledge having not worked in education myself, and there are topics that I very interested and feel passionate about around asynchronous learning and mastery learning, and some different ways to structure the classroom. Where, frankly, I don't think I'm qualified. I'm qualified in terms of having the right opinion or actually adding to what I think is a really rich conversation about that. But I think, on a slightly different note, when I think about what I would love to see secondary education specifically doing more of is this idea of discovery and learning and how can we bring students to a sense where they're not just solving problems that have direct answers but they're finding those problems themselves and and coming to it and there's really this this rich learning experience that can be found there and and actually i listened to uh, another one of your guests that you had on recently who talked about with um with science and, and bringing up questions in the science classroom that didn't necessarily, the problem, problems that hadn't been addressed and not, is a high schooler gonna figure out the answer to an unsolved problem, science problem? Probably not. Um, and if they did, that, that would be great and they probably have a beautiful career ahead of them, but it's not so much, great, here's a test, here's, here's a homework set and you're supposed to get from A to B. I think encouraging students to go from A to C to D to F to G and then get to B, is great in understanding it's not just a linear process and for some students they'll arrive to it really quickly others it's going to take a little while to wrap their head around it and they may go to a, a completely different route and that enriches the learning experience and in embracing that and discovery I, I wish i had more tangible solutions but that's that ethos i think is so so important and opens up students to be more flexible and, and have that resiliency that we talked about where great, they're going to run into problems and they're not going to get there right away, but it's not a feeling of discouragement. It's, no, I can do this. I know how to get there. I'll figure it out. And, and anything that's encouraging students to learn that way, I think is, uh, is really, really valuable and, and something we should be pushing for. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Cause obviously, you know, say a science class, is, you know, you do an experiment in science class, you're, 
you're you know proving something that's already known, right? You're they're trying to learn a, a process. Can we get to a point in time where you start trying to explore things that we don't have answers to, and probably not going to figure out in the confines of a class? And then that clashes with the traditional models of assessment, right? So you're yeah. supposed to assess knowledge and getting you know from A to B. What if the assessment's not actually find an answer, but the process of, of trying to find that answer and how do you actually uh, determine that? And I, I do yeah. think that's probably the frontier of, of education right now and, and trying to figure that piece out. Um, yeah. I do and, think- and That word process, I think is, is so, uh, is the right word to bring up there in trying to, and I had an, an old boss and a mentor of mine who always talked the two piece process and precision. And I think so much of school is focused on precision and can we be laser focused and spitting out the right answers, but process is just as, if not more important and, and focusing on that in education would yeah. be great. Uh, well, awesome. Great insights. Any Anything else you want to add? Anything I haven't asked you that I should or that you want to make sure you include? And I think educating more than you and more than just the classroom. And I think that's so important. It's something that we want to emphasize with Loper and this holistic college experience. And I think I, I was fortunate from 14 years old, 15 years old to be in an environment where it wasn't just about A's and B's. It was about the experience and, and trying to culture, you know, young men, men and women who serve, work within four others. I would also just leave it open to anyone who listens to this and would like to chat more about Loper or has any thoughts, please do feel free to reach out. I, I would love to be in touch with any of them. Awesome. Sam, fantastic. Thank you for joining uh, Who Needs School. Would love to hear from you at joevollert at gmail.com. Love the interview with Sam and really wish him well in his future ventures. Thank you.